Okay, hey everybody. Uh, we are here with my uh, friend across multiple social media platforms. Uh, I think we're connected on everything. I don't, are we yes. friends on Facebook? I know we're in the same Facebook group, but right. If not, if not, we will be after this. By the end of this call, we will rectify that right. that uh, that oversight. Um, I'm joined today by Harrison Soup Campbell, so I will call him that. Um, per his preference, and since we are new friends, I will respect that preference. Um, so we're here with Soup Campbell, uh, Director of Product Marketing and Brand Development with ZMe. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So um, I want to I want to start with kind of where you got your the where where did you start your career? How did you start your career? Uh, you've kind of I, I looked at your LinkedIn profile. You've you've got a really a interesting career in that you've done a lot of admissions work. You spent a lot of time in the higher ed space. Um, where did where did you go to school, and what did you go to school for? We'll start there. Yeah. So definitely, yeah. If you looked at my LinkedIn, it's 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 a it's a bizarre roadmap uh, of experiences, <laughs> uh, but it it all it all really surrounds education. My my whole life has been education. I have you know a parent. Uh, that was a career-long educator. So most of everything I've done has been around that, that focus. And so I did my undergrad at Indiana University, um, you know, secondary education. So for about six years, five or six years, I taught middle school, high school social studies. Um, and then I got, I made a transition at some point, kind of from teaching into higher ed enrollment mm -hmm. management and kind of stumbled into that. No one goes to school, no one goes to undergrad to become a professional uh, admissions uh, officer, things like right. that, student affairs officer, like we all somehow stumble into it. And I just, I fell in love with working in higher ed in that environment. It was still education. I was still working with students. It was just, I was helping students navigate that transition from high school to college. And, um, and from there, I, uh, while I was at Indiana State University working there, is I, I did a master's program there in student affairs higher ed administration. Um, but, but one of the things for me that's always been unique and people always ask me this question, like, how is it that you're working for this company, managing brand and social media and being a content creator and doing all these bizarre things, like you, you were a junior high social studies teacher. And the thing is, is that it's just, that has always been my passion, um, digital media and, and creating. And there's this that's always been a part of me and I've always leveraged that in, in all the roles I've had, even mm. though I've had no formal education uh, in these areas. And so I think with that experience, it's always kind of created opportunities. And so when I have a chance to talk to college students, I always tell them, you know, don't, don't feel like, you know, your major, your degree will always lock you into something. If, if you've got a skill set, if there's something you're passionate about and you're able to show how you can really use it and leverage it, um, there'll be opportunities out there for you in the future. Absolutely. So um, I love the fact, so I, the, the resonating theme for that I'm interpreting based on my knowledge of you is this, this concept of, of transition, you know, transition in your career between disciplines to new ideas and, and new concepts and uh, really transitional exploration is, is the phrase right. that I would use. And, and I think that's a, a really great sort of way to label it. Um, to your point, 
you know, if, if you go to school for business, you don't always have to be in business. You could go into the humanities and do something completely unrelated. Um, you know, I, for example, uh, I have three degrees in graphic design and now I'm running undergraduate marketing basically for uh, the business school at Pitt. And I'm doing a ton of writing and that's wonderful because I love writing, but you know, typically designers, they're not writing. So I get right. to try new things and explore my creative talents through that particular lens. Um, and, and the same applies with you. So it's like you, you, you go to school, you get that degree, and, and then you started teaching, which, you know, kudos to you. High school, middle school, elementary school teaching is hard. Um, you have yeah. to have a, a lot of patience, but you also kind of have to take a beating you know, uh, a figurative beating when you're doing that. Um, so, you know, more power to you, but it is by no means the, the thing that you have to do for 30 years. Right. Um, and, you know, entrepreneurs themselves, they don't fit that mold. Like some right. of the people that have the wealth, some of the wealthiest people have the most successful companies, you know, they didn't have a business, they don't necessarily have a business degree, you know, so. Right. Um, so that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, ultimately, and I think you would agree with this so long as you know, you're happy and you're healthy, right? Like you could be doing anything. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I don't, I mean, for me, I'm in that, that Gen X, Gen X or a, you know, range. And I think, you know, I look at like my parents and it's kind of coming from a generation where that, you know, people, people, found something that they were going to do. And they did that for 30 years, 40 years. And that was, that was very common and very normal. And I just, I think today, um, it's not to say that that can't still happen and, and that, you know, will happen for some people in their careers. But I think um, you just don't see that much anymore. I mean, you see today, you have to have that ability to be nimble and make mm -hmm. adjustments and transition. Um, and so I think, all the things that you can do to develop a skill set that lends itself to that um, will only benefit you, you know, down the road. And, and so, sir, I mean, there's so many opportunities and, and just, you know, the more connections you make and the more people that you meet and, and um, you know, it just always gives you, gives you an opportunity for those doors to open. And uh, yeah, if you would have asked me years ago, like you're going to be working for this, you know, this awesome tech startup company, and you're going to be, you know, I would have like, are you crazy? Like, I don't know right. anything about entrepreneurship. I don't know, like, like, you know, there's no way. And so, you know, it's hard to see kind of down the road where you can end up. But if you just always have that mindset of like, I'm just open. Like, I, mm -hmm. I want to enjoy the moment I'm in. And I want to be, you know, all into whatever I'm doing right now. But I want to always be open to if that door opens to not necessarily be afraid to maybe take that step. Uh, because it could be, you know, a great new opportunity that will lead to another great opportunity down the road. And how do you feel about being in the startup space? Oh, it's, <clears throat> isn't it's it incredible? It's, yeah. it's unbelievable, especially transitioning from higher education. So mm, yes. those, the, those of us that work or have spent any time working in, in higher education, whether it's on the faculty side or whether it's on the staff side, administration side, um, it's, you know, higher ed institutions tend to kind of move along at a certain pace. And, um, you know, you, you, would, you would think these should be uh, institutions that are, you know, cutting edge and always on the forefront, you know, out in front of everything. But really a lot, 
a lot of times they kind of lag they kind of lag behind a little bit you know sometimes in, you know when you compare them maybe to other industries so you're being generous of, yeah 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 so <laughs> you're then, being generous yeah, yeah. right right so the tra transition from higher ed all of a sudden to this uh, you know, tech world environment, you know, was just, was crazy. And I'm, I'm two years, about two years in now at Zimi. Um, and it's still, I still find myself certain days like, wow, this, this pace is just crazy. And it's just, mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, terminology I never knew before on the, on the dev side, you know, we have, you know, you know, we do two week sprints, you know, and then we, mm -hmm. you know, the dev team is, product updates so, you know it's like it just it's this constant quick fast paced cycle and um and then there's that level of uncertainty you know right. i mean with, with a startup i mean things are going really well for our company now but you know with a startup you just you never know i mean we could you know we're here today and things are great but you know we we might not be here you know a month from now and so it's like that you have to have a certain type of mentality to to be able to be okay in that right. type of, of an environment of such uncertainty. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I've, I look back over things I've had the opportunity to do and, and just, I'm really just thankful because all of those opportunities um, just led to another door opening and, and mm -hmm. you know, couldn't, couldn't be more happier and um, love that I was never afraid to kind of just take those steps and uh, see, see what would, what would come of it. Well, you know, it, your, your story reminds me of a, not only my own sort of career, especially within the past year and a half, but also the, this idea of staying in a job for 30 years. So that's what our parents did. That is, in, in some cases, that is still possible for a lot of people, fortunately. Um, but on the other hand, like, I'm okay with that not being the case. I like the fact that I think people should move around and not be complacent and stagnant and not be afraid to transition into new positions, um, especially if they're really interested in having a career, you know, and, you know, having that define an aspect of, of themselves as if it were, you know, it's a part of their identity. I did this thing and this thing and this thing, you know, uh, it's points of pride. So. Uh, but not only that, but the accumulative buildup of skills and experiences, you know, at a certain point, and I know you'll appreciate this, if you're in higher ed, you hit a, a point where you can't go any higher. And so, like, you were the dean of admissions at uh, this city university, I forget what it's called. Um, and it's like, that might be as far as you can go without having a PhD. Right. And even then, once you get that PhD, you're not going to want to stay in that job because your prospects are up on, are on the upper administration. And right. that's, that's I won't say that's rarefied air, but it takes a very special person to want to be uh, a staff side executive administrator. Because right. um, those are not necessarily jobs that people envy. And that's also why they have higher salaries, right? right, right. Um, but in higher ed, you definitely tap out a certain point. So you could have been the dean for the next 30 years. Right. right. And, you know, for some people that's okay. But, like, if you have a lot of energy and experience and ambition, those careers, they don't last. And, um I relate to that completely because I was faculty side for a dec over a decade 
And it's just like, okay, I kind of done everything I wanted to at this institution that I was at and decided to move on. And there's an inherent risk in what I did and with what you did, because, you know, I was tenured faculty, tenured positions are, have been on the downswing since the seventies. So I got a fair amount of flack from people for saying like, why would you give that up? Are you an idiot? Right, right. And inversely, like you're, you're the dean of admissions at this place. And I'm thinking like, that sounds like a great gig. Why would you give that up? And right. it's because you hit that ceiling. Um, and that's just the, the nature of, of higher ed. So, you know, kudos to you for willing, being willing to make the jump. Yeah, I mean, and there's always trade-offs. I mean, for me in higher ed, on the administrative side, coming from the lens and the background of someone that's just truly an educator and wants to be with students and wants mm-hmm. to be making a difference in the lives of students, there's a huge trade-off because the higher you go up that ladder in higher ed on the administrative side, the less and less you are connected with students. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and so for, for me personally, even if those opportunities had presented themselves, for me, it would have been a real, it would have been really tough because I know I would be getting more and more disconnected from what I love. And that's just being able to work with students and, right. um, you know, and so, yeah, so there's always these kind of unique trade-offs and, and things that you've got to consider. But I think, you know, you know, you just, you know, don't second guess yourself and, you know, you've got great gut instincts and, you know, you sometimes I've always told students, you know, we all have these, these amazing you know, intuition and gut instincts. And, you know, sometimes you just have to trust kind of what, right. you're, what you're feeling inside and not be afraid to kind of make that step. You know, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But fortunately for folks like you and I, we kind of have a fail safe right. with respect to higher ed is always hiring, always. Right. So we could easily, like if I left, you've left, we could both easily transition back into that space fairly seamlessly. Yep. Um, that might be an arrogant comment. I don't know, but I mean, no, I mean, it's just, that's just accurate. I mean, that's, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, you're, you're in Zimi, you're in the startup space. Uh, I envy the excitement that you get from being in that space. Um, I've run four companies, sold three. I'm on my fourth now, which is wow this guy right here. Um, and I, I love thriving in that space. So I think I'll always be running some kind of hustle. Right. But, right. Um, yeah. So can, can you tell me about like what kind of, what it feels like to be an integral part of, of Zimi, um, and knowing that the success of the company is, you know, built on the success of everyone in it no matter their role, big or small? Yeah, so I mean, you know, let me go back just a little bit. When, when I first started with Zimi, and, and actually what's crazy is um, one of the two founders for the company and, and our co-founder Adam is, is still with the company now, literally just hit me up on LinkedIn and said, hey, I, I, think, I think we connected at a conference at some point in the past. Wow. Like, okay. I, see all, I see all the stuff that you do and leveraging, you know, all this crazy stuff you're doing with social media, you know, to engage these prospective students and like the things that you do to kind of create brand. And he's like, would you, would you ever like, have you ever thought about maybe like transitioning over? And, and so like that, that's how it first started. 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even a, there was a job posting and I, you know, had to go through right. this, this application mm -hmm. process. So, so that's how I first even got kind of connected with Zemi. But, but what they primarily were struggling with when I came on board was they, the, the company started originally as this, this, this really cool web-based platform that high school students could use to upload video, uh, photo content about their kind of their academic experience, their, you know, their extracurriculars. And they could, they could provide that link of all that content when they went to apply to college. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it, there was a space on the common app where they could put that. So, I mean, it was a way to kind of show who I really am in this beyond just what my SAT or ACT or my GPA says. So that's how the company started, but the product is so, so different now. And at some point in there, they made it, Zimi made a decision to kind of flip a switch and change right. from, change from what it was which every student in the country loved, you know, all of these, these high school counselors loved it because it was this free tool. They could help their, their students. And then Zimi just made this decision. No, we're, we're going completely mobile app now. We're <laughs> yep. all stuff. And what, and they didn't, they didn't really think about how that was going to impact how high school counselors were going to feel about that. So basically long story short, um, the brand was just really damaged. And, you know, what was once this amazing tool, now a lot of people were like, you know, why didn't you listen to us? Like, we didn't want it to be like that. We, and you just made this change and you didn't even tell us. And mm -hmm. so really what I, what I spent my first year at Zemi doing was just rebuilding the brand and, you know, helping people out there understand, like, you know, you're right. That is who we were. Right. We did make some mistakes and we're owning it, but, but here's who we are now. And we want to re-engage right. with you and we want to, we do want to be your platform and we do want to listen to you. And so, um, so yeah, I've spent a lot of time just working on kind of rebuilding the brand for the company, uh, especially out in, in kind of the social spaces um, so that more people are like, one, we actually know what it is you guys do. And two, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, you're not a, you're not a company. You're more of like just, this personality, this, that, that we want to work with. Like I, right. you know, I feel like now there's a lot of people that are like, I don't, maybe I don't know everything about Zimi, but gosh, I see soup all the time. And like, I, it'd, yep. be, cool to work, it'd be cool to work with that guy. Right. And so that, that's a lot of kind of what we've tried to do. Um, it's just really uh, enhancing the, the brand of, of the company. In, it, you're, you're introducing the personalities of the company into the product or service itself. Absolutely. Which in, in a sense is really clever because it makes you all linchpins and very specific investors, right? right? Um, but it also creates a humanistic point of relation that, you know, oh, I got a problem. I'll just call soup. Right. Whatever it is, right. there he is. You know, uh, I, can, I can rely on you as opposed to having to deal with an AI chat bot to, right. to work through some tech issues. Um, you know, so the customer service aspect of that is, is really on point. And, you right. know, that takes a ton of energy and to, to do, but it's also the right thing to do because ultimately what is, what is the purpose of, of Zimi? I mean, right. to build relationships between people, right? right. Yeah. So Kate, yeah, you're, you're walking the walk, you're talking the talk. So, um, so, can you give can you give me some some ideas on like strategies or techniques or tactics that you used uh, with managing the the Z, the Zimi brand and how you 
helped repair uh, its identity? Yeah, so I think the, the, the first strategy was just leveraging, you know, I, I was one of the first individuals to come on board on Zemi that came, that actually came from higher ed. And so I think Zemi got to a place at a company where they're like, you know, maybe it would make sense for us to just like have a member of our team that actually right. has lived and understands that culture and that language. And, and so I think, you know, one of my first strategies was just leveraging that experience, those connections, those relationships to start to kind of, to, to bridge some connections there between, between what was looked at as like this vendor. You know, those of us that work on the, you know, the college side, you know, a lot of times you'll see things like, oh, these vendors, there's another vendor is emailing mm-hmm. me about their amazing product. And why don't they understand? I don't have time to listen to you vendors. And so, um, you know, and, and higher ed, especially higher ed enrollment management is relatively this tight knit kind of small community. Like we all know each other. You know, we all talk. If right. you're a company, if you're a company that's a really good, you know, that's built like everybody knows that's a great company and, and whether you work with them or not. And so like, yeah, I think that that primary first strategy was, can I start to build some relationships and bridge the gap between higher ed looking at this as like this company um, mm-hmm. and, and the company just looking at higher ed as like, just, this is just potential revenue. We've got to get, right. no, let's like, let's actually just build relationship, whether, whether the college, ever partners with us or not, we should still want to be engaged with, we should still want to be a, a thought leader in this space. I mean, we've got hundreds of thousands of, of teenagers that use our social media app. Why can't, right. we, why can't we still position ourselves as like, hey, you want to know what kids are thinking right now? Like, we could actually tell you what kids are thinking right now because we, mm-hmm. we're watching it happen 24-7. And so some of that just like, let's position us in the space to try to be, uh, to try to serve this community, to try to provide them data or information on what kids are doing, what they're thinking, whether the, whether they want to partner with us or not. And so, um, you know, so that's where it's just, it, it's evolved. And I, you know, I think I, I told the story to someone the other day when I first started at Zemi, one of the things they asked me to do was they're like, okay, you know, everyone, <laughs> you, you, you know, everyone in, in, in college admissions can you like just hop on? And I was like, yes, I do. Like I can, you want sales? Let's go. Like these people yeah. love me. And so one of the first, it was so humbling. So, I mean, I get on the phone. Yeah. I'm letting all my fellow colleagues know like, Hey, I've just transitioned. I'm at ZNN. Yeah. Like, let's get this going. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, crickets, nobody's answering their phone. It's mm-hmm. like, and it was so humbling because, you know, I even thought, well, shoot, this is, yeah, this will be easy. Cause I've got, relationships so even for me like there was like this learning curve was like no it's not just it's not just going to happen like that it's going to take right. some time and some patience and you have to rebuild all of those relationships basically absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean Re- build, build, building a brand from scratch is one thing repairing a brand that's had some damage um mm-hmm. is is an entirely different thing and it's it's tough it takes time and you need to reframe the context under which you know these people now too. Right. Right. So that that's a whole other conversation to have that implies like, yeah, I got to teach you about what I do and how right. it's done. And you, you can go through this, the typical sales process right. with that, with respect to that. So yeah, it, I, I understand where you're coming from because like 
you know, with each of the companies that I've operated, I've, I've done sales and client relationship management and everything in a startup. You do everything. You do so, everything. Yes. So, you know, one day it's all right, I'm managing nothing but product output today. I'm only doing finances tomorrow. I'm only doing sales reps and et cetera. Yep. So, um, what's the least favorite thing you like to do in the, or in the startup sphere? Gosh, least favorite. Uh, There's an opportunity to turn this negative into a positive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a tough question because. Can I answer it for you? Yeah. Uh, do you work in an office with people or are you remote? Oh, well, yeah, if, if, yeah. So, so yeah, so our company is based in, in Silicon Valley. We're, we're yeah. in Red, Redwood city, California, just South of San Francisco. Um, about half of our team is there physically um, okay. you know, at, at HQ, but then about half of us are remote all around the world. So I'm remote. I'm in Southern okay. Indiana. And so I, I had to make a transition. You know, if you know anything about college university admissions people, I mean, they are social butterfly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they're extroverted. Absolutely. Yes. And so, yeah, I think, I was really nervous about that transition at first and it, 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 it did take some adjust adjustment. But one of the things that I discovered is um, on the college side as a Dean of admissions, you know, I, I would find the only time I could really be productive is if I came in at five in the morning and I was there hours before my staff got in, or if I came in on a Saturday when mm -hmm. staff, I mean, th those were the times, or if I stayed late after work, those were the times I could, I could get work done because during the nine to five, you're being pulled in every different direction. Right. You're putting out fires. You're being pulled into this meeting. You're here, you're there. So one of the positives that I actually discovered from working remote is how extremely productive I can be when a lot of those um, distractions are eliminated. So yeah, right. that, that was probably, if I had to pick the one thing that was kind of a weird and, and, and made me nervous at first, or actually the only, the one, one of the only things that made me kind of hesitant was, will I be able to be okay in this kind of remote uh, environment when I've never done that? I've always been one of those that had to, to be engaging kind of, you know, with people uh, 24 seven, but it's been, it's been great. And um, mm -hmm. it allows me the flexibility and the autonomy to really, um, to just, I mean, there is no nine to five in a startup. And, and certainly with what I do for our company, there, there isn't a nine to five. Now, some people don't like, you know, wouldn't be able to handle that. But again, when the work is what you're passionate about and you love wearing all those different hats, you know, I never took a course in my life on web design. And sure. I, was the, I was the front end dev for, you know, one of the new landing pages of our site that we rolled out. So, I mean, just knowing that's like, I could take that, I could own that project and do it. I mean, it's just that for someone like me, like that's, we, you know, I love having that opportunity. Um, so that, that's been really, really rewarding. Well, I think part of this, the, the shift in, in working in general, especially with uh, the latest generation, those that are about to graduate is that, yeah, a lot of them are nervous that about that first time job they'll get it. They'll find something, right? Eventually they'll determine whether or not they actually feel valued in the job that they have. Right. In some cases, if they do, they stay or they don't, they find another competitive gig. I feel like a lot of people are wanting to place effort on being uh, 
important and critical to a company, even if maybe they aren't, but they at least feel that way. And that's, that's actually an aspect of good management. Like in my opinion, like make people feel valued, give them additional responsibilities. If you think they can take it on to help build out their skill set and help them grow. And eventually they'll move on. Everyone does in some, some respects, but, um, in that startup world, you're doing everything. And if it's important to you to feel like you're mission critical, that if you aren't there, the whole thing falls apart. Um, one, you really got to like check your ego on that. I'm not saying feeling that way is a bad thing. Um, it's just, if, if it's misinterpreted or executed poorly, then that's a problem. Um, yeah. And that startup scene can be very thrilling, especially if it's all riding on you. And, you know, and maybe you can supplement this thought. So I may have some students graduate that go right into a startup career, right? Either maybe they start a company or they get onboarded or recruited into, uh, you know, a moderately sized startup. It's still within its first five years. Um, and they become that linchpin similar to, to your, your, your role. Um, they're go and let's say they wash out, right? They decide, you know what? Startup culture is not for me anymore. I can't handle this waking up in the middle of the night. Not that that happens, but being on call practically all the time, they're going to be able to transition into different types of jobs and careers a bit easier because like they hit the wall at a thousand miles an hour their at the end of their first year uh, after graduation. So it's like, if you can take that on and, and carry that stress on your shoulders, but also own it and lean into it, then you can pretty much handle anything. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no uh, doubt. I, and I think, yeah, just to, it, it's, I try to go, I mean, I'm old now, so I know that the college students watching this, I mean, I know like I'm, I'm the old guy now, but I try to go back to when I was that age and it's, it's scary. And I know it can be scary. And especially my goodness, with the way things are even now, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't even begin to imagine what a college senior is feeling right now in this climate that we're in. Um, but you, you know, I feel like you just have to, you know, one, one, be confident, you know, be, be confident in what you've learned, be confident in, in your, your skill set, um, and, and be willing to be, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to, um, you know, uh, acknowledge that, that, that you're not going to know everything. You're not going to have all the right. answers. I think one of the things that I've been extremely fortunate with at every step of every opportunity I've had I've worked with some great people, some great leadership that, that I wanted to look at as a mentor. And I, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be mentored. I wanted to like have that relationship. I wanted to learn. And yep. I think it's always can like wherever you are, you know, have, have a hand that's reaching up and making a connection and have a hand that's reaching back uh, behind you and like always be in kind of both spaces. Always have someone that you can look towards that you trust you can kind of have a, a great relationship with as, as a mentor. Uh, but maybe when you're two years out after graduation, you know, maybe be a part of some type of, of group or, or community where you're still maybe, you know, giving back, giving some tips back to those, those college juniors or seniors. And, and there's so much of what we do in, in all of 
in all of these things is so much of it's about just relationships. Mm -hmm. If you can, you know, if you build great relationships and, you know, you, you always will have, have opportunities there. And I can, I mean, I could sit here for hours and just go on and on and on about just, you know, people that have, have opened a door for me or, you know, because of just, you know, something where a relationship was made. And so, yeah, I mean, don't, right. don't be afraid. Like it's, and, and don't be afraid to fail. You know, very, very few people, I think um, what we don't often talk about a lot is, you know what, I've been fired from, from previous, I mean, like I've had things like that that have happened in my career. No one ever talks about those because they don't want to be vulnerable or really transparent enough to, to say right. that. Like, you know, like there's been times that in my career where I, I've lost a job and, you know, and that doesn't define, that doesn't define who you are. That doesn't define what the rest of your career is going to be. Right. And so like, you know, you have to treat every experience, you know, you know, find the positive in every, every experience. And, and you don't know you, that that one door that got closed might've gotten closed for a reason because this Zemi is going to hire, you know, is going to come calling mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're going to be doing something you never even dreamed of. So it's, it's scary. It's stressful. Um, but, but just be in the moment and just be all in, make those relationships and, and you'll be fine. You know, uh, while listening to you talk, I was recall, I recalled a tweet I saw earlier today. You might've seen it. Um, and it was some of the most successful companies that exist today were founded in the last recession. Yeah. Uh, Uber included. So, yep. uh, you know, it stands to reason that like, Hey, maybe, you know, since higher ed is taking such a huge beating right now, I mean, it was previous to the outbreak. I mean, in, enrollment was declining, colleges were closing, departments were being folded, programs were being merged, and uh, and then up comes along coronavirus and just does like a you know a fatality finishing <laughs> yeah. move to to higher ed and. Now it's, it's even worse, which means your product is even more of, of a hook and necessity, frankly. Right. right. Um, it, like you guys in Campus Sonar and a few of the other companies out there, Handshake, et cetera, um, you all do different things, but you're all just very, very necessary because, I mean, at higher ed, in my opinion, was losing touch with what was with what made their themselves special, you know, any right. given university. And it became less about teaching people and more about just enrollment, yep. enrollment, enrollment. And, you know, if that's one of the reasons why you left, then no one's going to blame you. Right? right. But nevertheless, um, hopefully this will help higher ed in general, get back in touch with, with its mission, with its roots. And, you know, not endlessly sprawl and create new things like you know right. maybe it's going to uh you know not live beyond its its limits so to speak yeah, so i hope so i it's, it's yeah. certainly certainly making everyone take a step back right now and really rethink how we've been doing this in higher ed you know mm -hmm. I, I, and just like you said i think you know, Zemi might have been looked at before as like, oh, it's it's kind of a luxury. It's a, it's a we don't need it, but that's you know, it's great if we have it. And and I think mm -hmm. now there's a lot of colleges and universities that are thinking, yeah, maybe maybe it is needed right now. I mean, if these if you know, and so I think it's 
yeah, you can look at a negative situation and you can, you can see that, yeah, hopefully it, it you know, it's, it spurs some change and some, some deeper thinking and just the models, the, you know, college admissions really hasn't changed for decades. It's, it's been the same, the same thing. And so yeah. maybe, maybe this is an opportunity where, you know, enrollment leaders can start to think, you know, is, is it time for it to look different? Is it, is it mm. time, you know, you know, do we, do we have to keep requiring this standardized test that, you know, right. I mean, you know, is, so I think you're starting to see a lot of universities trying to wrap their head around how can this look different? How can this whole process of a high school student transitioning to a college university, can that model change? Can it look different? And so, you know, Zemi is one of those that's just kind of in that, in that space where I think people right. are looking like, yeah, maybe, maybe there are some things we can do different here. And so that, that is exciting to know that there could be some potential change there, even though we're going through a really, a really tough situation. Well, you know, look at the signaling. Uh, many universities are dropping their uh, SATs. Yep. Uh, a lot of them, uh, graduate schools are hurting too. They're dropping GREs. Like yep. you don't even, have, I've never taken the SAT or the GRE. And wow. I, I made, I made myself, I made my way up to a PhD level. That's awesome. Okay. And it's, it's in how you understand the systems. So uh, students are becoming more savvy and uh, they're also focusing more on their finances. So it stands to reason like four year university is going to drop their SATs and their GREs, right? Okay. That's going to bring people in the door. Um, but I want to see community colleges thrive a bit more because the articulation agreements between community colleges uh, as feeders for bigger universities. So someone goes and gets an associate degree, transfers in 90 credits to a four-year institution, they walk out of there with two degrees, which makes them a more uh, attractive candidate, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and then they could actually transition right into a graduate program and who knows how far without actually having to do that. Talk about the journey. I, you would see more people doing that, you know, right. Uh, right. As a, and saving money too, I think, in the long run. Um, so there's, there's kind of that journey that's interesting to me. Uh, and it's all relegated on con cons conservating, cons conservation of finances, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, no saving doubt. as much money as possible. And then the other aspect is the, the outbreak is proving to everybody just exactly how unnecessary it is to go to a brick and mortar place to work or learn. So I've been seeing a lot of inquiries regarding online learning exclusively, yeah. Yeah. exclusively. Oh, yeah. So I'm hoping that higher ed will see those signals and say like, okay, um, well, we have a ton of interest in a graphic design program. Let's just do it all online. And they may see a lot of numbers from that. And you know, that means that they can start selling, you know, or renting out space to startup companies because they don't need an academic hall anymore or whatever. Right. So right. yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that happens. I know that um, just today, uh, SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, which is my alma mater, um, they just closed their Hong Kong outpost. They had a whole school in Hong Kong that they closed. Part of it was the coronavirus, but a lot of it was just universities, I think, overextending their reach. Right. 
uh, on top of the fact that they're an arts driven school, arts aren't necessarily hiring right now. So it is what it is. So, um, well, uh, we're, we're coming up at the end of our time and I apologize for, for taking the, (laughs) the last few minutes to get that, that, that mumbling out, but um, you're fine. I think that a lot of my students are going to be interested in learning more about the startup culture, the startup space, especially as they enter this, you know, present coronavirus economy. Right. How can they get a hold of you, learn more about Zimi, um, and, you know, maybe learn more about the startup culture? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, guys, uh, feel free on most channels. Um, I believe I'm, I'm at soup Campbell 76. Um, I mean, if you, if you're searching, if you just search Harrison soup Campbell, uh, you'll find me, but, but please feel free. I I don't mind any of you connecting with me on LinkedIn. I, I stay pretty active on Twitter. Um, and, and the thing, one of the things I do love about, you know, sometimes Silicon Valley gets a bad rap and you hear, you know, often it's, you know, what bleeds leads. So we know like, typically, you know, you only, you know, you're only going to hear negative things, but what I've discovered is, is um, it's kind of a cool tight knit community. And um, just in my short time at Zimi, and again, it's not anything, you know, bragging on my end or hurry, but like if Zimi closed like today, there will be, there would be people in other companies in Silicon Valley, like immediately, um, you know, trying to get me on, you know, like, Hey, we, right. we noticed things kind of, uh, you know, kind of shutting down there at Zimi. What are you, where are you headed next? Mm-hmm. So I think just becoming a part of this kind of, um, you know, community and, and connecting with, you know, with me, with other people that you know that, um, that are in that space, we love to try to help. And, you know, even people that have previously worked for us at Zimi are now at Facebook or Amazon right. or, you know, these places. So it's just like, we've got great connections and we can always pick that, you know, that phone up and like, Hey, like, you know, we're, I've got this student that's just graduated. Like, where can we get them plugged in? Like, this is what they're wanting to do. Who, who do we need to talk to? Right. And so like, you know, yes, feel free. I would love for you guys to stay connected. And, and I, I'll always, you know, help in any way I can, if it's an introduction or open a door for you guys. Well, you know, I have some students that are from California. They may come back home. So I'll have right. them, I'll have them hit you up, but, uh, thank you again, soup for your time. This was great. We'll check in with you maybe in a couple of weeks or a month or so. We'll see how far this goes. You know, um, I just wanted to talk to people during my downtime and I've talked to so many people and I've learned a lot and, um, your contributions are just fantastic. So thank you again for your time. Awesome. Hey, it's absolutely my pleasure. This has been a great break for me. (laughs) Get away from regular business and work stuff. So I just appreciate the opportunity and uh, best of luck to all you students. Uh, Hang in there. I know it's a crazy time, but I I believe uh, great things are are to come for, for all of you. So please keep in touch. And if he said it, it must be true. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, man.